0: Welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. This hour, we'll talk recycling with the folks from MAR, the Major Appliance Recycling Roundtable, and ReturnIt.ca. They're the people uh, you see on TV with the little puppet water bottle. That's coming up, but first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. BC's finance minister says she's concerned about the red-hot real estate market and the fact that many buyers are being forced to make offers on homes without being able to do their due diligence. For example, home inspections. And with bidding wars and fierce competition for properties on the market, many consumers are blind bidding, according to Finance Minister Selena Robinson. Blind bidding is where home buyers who make an offer... Uh, but aren't told what the other offers are. It's led to a lot of homes going for way over asking price. Consumer groups say they would like to see greater transparency. For example, the bidders could still be anonymous, but the prices being bid are listed publicly. Andy Yan, the director of SFU's city program, says Canadians often get more protection buying something on eBay. Vancouver City Council is desperately trying to reduce the time that home builders have to wait to get a permit. And that could mean bad news for trees. A city staff report released on Wednesday recommends that sections of the city's tree protection bylaw be suspended for a year to speed up permit times. What that means is... About 200 trees in Vancouver could be cut down over that year without any replacement trees required. The city uh, figures uh, that could save between two to eight weeks in wait times for construction permits. The bylaw's current requirement is to protect all trees over 20 centimetres in diameter. The recommendation is that it now be 30 centimetres instead of 20 centimetres. It's been reported that more than 23,000 healthy trees were cut down in the city between 1996 and 2013. And think about this. Back in 1995, more than 22% of Vancouver was covered in trees. But that has now dropped to uh, less than 18%. That's the figure they had in 2013. And almost all of those trees were cut down on private property. And do you stay focused on the road when you're driving? A new BCAA report found 93% of people asked say they do stay focused on the road. But when they were probed a little further, more than 70% admitted that they may have been distracted by interacting with passengers, fiddling with the climate control, and scanning for street signs and numbers. Other confessions included eating and drinking checking their phones at red lights and enjoying scenery, to name a few. BCAA points out that distracted driving is the second leading cause of fatal collisions in BC, and they say it's more than just texting and talking on your phone. BCAA calls it a real blind spot for drivers, saying that drivers are failing to see that multitasking while driving is taking their focus away from the road. BCAA says for more information on how to stay safe, go to the BCAA website. Just don't do it while you're driving. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And when we come back, do you ever wonder what happens to a major appliance when it gets recycled or worse, it doesn't get recycled? We'll find out. We'll talk to Mar, the Major Appliance Recycling Roundtable, as well as the people who recycle all those beverage containers, returnit.ca. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and it's time to do our part and recycle right. We are going to talk recycling. Our guests uh, today, we have two of them. Michael Zarbel is the executive director of MAR, the major appliance recycling roundtable. And also with us is Alan Langdon. He is the CEO of Return It for the past 26 years. Return It has been a leader in helping the environment by recycling beverage containers and also educating uh, consumers about recycling. But they have teamed up. Michael and Alan have teamed up Mar and Return It. uh, And welcome, guys. And I I guess I'll start with you, Michael. Uh, How, I mean, one side is about the recycling of appliances. One side is about the recycling of beverage containers. Why did you guys get together and partner up on this initiative?
1: Hi, Martin. Uh, thanks for that. And it's uh, you know it's uh, quite an interesting question, actually. And why are we working together? Well, you know, Mar is a fairly new stewardship agency in the province of British Columbia, and you know, Returnit, as you just mentioned, has been around a long time. And uh, you know, Mar saw it would be advantageous to us to engage with uh, Returnit to help us out and lean on their expertise, especially in areas of you know, IT and accounting and marketing and You know we can gain a lot of synergies working together and basically uh by doing that we save the uh, consumers money at the end of the day because you know at the end of the day you're the one paying these fees that fund these
0: programs Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about uh, about appliance recycling. What appliances can be recycled? Uh, what appliances we should be recycling? But uh, I'll get to Alan now. First of all, hello, Alan. Uh, Hi. How are you? I'm good. And you're the CEO of Return It. Now, Return It is uh, is an incredible operation. How many beverage containers uh, are are recycled every year by Return It? That might be a tough question.
2: No, not really. Uh, So yeah, each year we recycle roughly a billion uh, beverage containers. Um, And what I think is important is, um, you know, a lot of these uh, containers are, especially the plastic containers are actually recycled right here at BC or in Alberta. I think that's a common misconception that, you know, plastic ends up overseas, but actually for the 26 years we've been around, we've been able to find domestic markets for the plastic. And I think that's uh, um, an achievement that we're quite proud of, especially given the you know, rightly um, rightly so, the increased focus on plastics and its, um, you know, leakage into our natural environment.
0: And I, I think when people think of Return It, uh, a lot of us think of the commercials with the with the <laughs> little water bottle Muppet or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, our puppets. The, those, those commercials have been very successful for Return It, haven't they? You know, they have.
2: They've been a huge success. And, uh, you know, we've we get all sorts of compliments and comments on the puppets and I think they've really helped to drive consumer awareness and build, um, you know, build our profile. And, and last year, one of the first things we did as a part of a promotion for our, our express program, we're going to continue this year is actually make um, stuffy versions of the puppets available for some of our um, really, um, how can I call them heavy recyclers. Yeah. And so people recycling a lot of containers through our express program are actually able to, to get stuffy versions of these characters. And it's been neat to see the reaction from people. I've gotten a few of these characters and, you know, things they post online. So, no, it's been great.
0: Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about how you're making it easier all the time to recycle <laughs> beverage containers. But let's go to Michael. Michael Zarbel, the executive director of MAR, Major Appliance Recycling Roundtable. First of all, define what that is. I, I think of, uh, you know, like King Arthur and his knights sitting around a round table, But, <laughs> but you were... It's all about appliance recycling.
1: That's correct, yeah. And we we deal mostly with the major appliances. So when you think of your white goods in your home, you know, your fridge, your stove, your freezer, washer and dryer, those type of things. And uh, although, you know, there are other appliances that are included in our list too, and you can go to our website to see all the appliances that are included. But, uh, you know, we mostly, uh, major appliance recycling roundtable is a stewardship agency that was created to represent the interests of the producers to fulfill their Obligations under the recycling regulation. Producers are obliged to manage the end of life of uh, their products in, in many cases in, in the province of British Columbia these days. And, you know, major appliances is one of those. You know, you, there's other items that you have to, the producers are involved with as well, like paint and light bulbs and batteries. And typically you'll pay a fee when you buy a, a new appliance, and that those funds come to our organization and we use that money to, uh, manage the product in an environmentally sound manner to make sure that the end of life fridges and stoves get recycled and get recycled properly and not don't end up, you know, buried in a landfill
0: somewhere. Yeah. And when, when I think of appliance recycling, the first thing that comes to mind is a fridge, uh, and maybe, mm-hmm. a, uh, maybe a stove, but what are some other appliances that people might not know should be recycled and not just thrown in the garbage?
1: Sure. I, uh, we have things like dehumidifiers. Those actually, like fridges, have uh, ozone-depleting substances or gases in them as well. And uh, water coolers are a couple, is another example. Your stove hood, uh, the fan above your stove, those are just some examples. Garburetors, trash compactors, those are some of the less common. Uh, not everyone's got one of those in their house, but uh, the most important thing is the ones with the uh, refrigerant gases in them that they get recycled Uh, at a MAR facility, because then we can ensure that it's serviced by a licensed technician who removes those gases that are very harmful for the environment. You know, they're, they're greenhouse gases. and And in some cases, they're ozone depleting substances, which damage the ozone layer.
0: Yeah. So there are some pretty big environmental concerns about just dumping a fridge. You, you, you can't do that.
1: No, it's actually, you know, the uh, you know, Montreal Protocol, which was established many years ago. It's an international agreement where we would manage the, uh, you know, the, the pe- some people refer to it as Freon. That's a brand name that DuPont owns, but it's, a, it's an ozone depleting substance. And, and it has a greenhouse warming potential uh, 10,000 times higher than that of carbon. So uh, you can imagine how important it is to, that these gases are not... Uh, uh, released into the atmosphere. You don't want people cutting the copper lines at the back of their fridge to get, you know, a buck worth of copper out of it uh, and letting these gases escape into the environment.
0: That's good to know because uh, we're talking recycling, how to do your part and recycle it right uh, you can go to returnit.ca, return-it.ca uh, to learn more. We're talking to, uh, that was Michael Zarbel. He's the executive director of MAR, the major appliance recycling roundtable, and uh, Alan Langdon, the CEO of Return It, uh, literally like a billion beverage containers recycled every year. So, so... So let's hear from you, Alan, about uh, the partnership with MAR, um, because you're very focused on the beverage containers. But why is it important to to sort of take a more holistic approach about everything recyclable in the province?
2: Yeah, so it's a great question. So I think, you know, we've been around 26 years and um, as part of that, um, in the last couple of years, we actually took some time to, you know, look at what we've done over the last 25 years and look at where we want to go going forward. And as part of that process, we work with a group, uh, the United Way uh, Social Purpose Institute to actually clarify what our so- social purpose was. Uh, so we, we wanted to go beyond just establishing a vision or mission and really think, like, what's our, what's our why? Why do we exist as an organization beyond, you know, simply the tactile uh, recycling beverage containers? And, and after talking to a bunch of stakeholders and meeting internally, we really came to ground with, you know, we're here to foster a world where nothing is waste. And so we're really looking at more holistically. How can we take every opportunity to work with all sorts of groups to ensure that these materials aren't seen just as waste, but actually as, as untapped resources? And I think the partnership with Mar is great in that we've got a lot of really skilled people uh, that we think can really add a lot of value to Mar's mission uh, as a new organization in recycling major appliances. And and honestly, they're excited about the opportunity to work on a program like Mar and you know kind of be at the forefront of Canada at least in terms of making sure that these uh, types of products are recycled and recycled responsibly. And I think Mars has done some great work in its initial years, and we're really happy to be there to support them.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Langdon, the CEO of Return It. And I, I asked uh, Michael uh, about major appliances and which appliances uh, are the most recycled. Uh, what are some of the beverage containers that people might not generally think of as recyclables? When I see a plastic water bottle, um, I definitely know that's recyclable. But are there things that people aren't recycling as much as they should?
2: it's a great point. So, you know, we are really successful in recycling things like aluminum cans and plastic bottles, but there are some products that people still struggle with in terms of realizing that they're, you know, a, a, an acceptable container to be recycled. Uh, so one of the ones I talk about all the time are these pouches or drink pouches. Uh, you'll see often, um, you know, that are provided for children, especially, you know, where you, you have a little straw that you can puncture the pouch. Right. Uh, so we have a lot of time recycling those, but they can be recycled. So, you know, really encourage people to bring those down. Uh, The other one is your bag in the box for wine. Uh, So I know, particularly in the last year, uh, people have been taking advantage of the, you know, I guess it's an opportunity of staying home during the pandemic to to do all sorts of things and and pass some of that time by drinking. And and so, you know, getting these uh, kind of four-liter box wine have been really popular. and, And they're not a product we see get recycled as often. Um, But they can be. So we started partnering with some of the producers of that package to actually put some on-pack advertising, letting people know that it can be recycled and it can be included with the refundable. So those are really kind of the two containers I think about that, you know, we're not seeing enough of. I guess the third one would be, you know, the little drink boxes. Uh, You know, I don't know if it's their size or the fact that they're maybe included in school lunches, but it's another one where people don't realize that that's $0.10 for each of those little drink boxes. And so bringing those back um, not only is great for the environment, but for any parent that's that's working on a budget, um, you know, it doesn't take long for those containers to add up. So, you know, that's another one we'd like to see more of them come back as well.
0: Yeah, and uh, you have all sorts of uh, different initiatives uh, with Return It, like the Return It Express and the Express and Go, and we'll talk about that in in just a second because uh, you're making it easier. Because when I was a kid, I remember uh, you know re- recycling bottles. It was you know in, involved a lot of heavy lifting, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But Michael, uh, we're going to talk to. I have a question for Michael, the executive director of Mar, which is Major Appliance Recycling the round table um, and uh, are, are we recycling uh, appliances too too soon? Are we getting rid of appliances uh, too soon? Do you think people sh- is it better to hang on to appliances or or is it is it a good idea to I guess there's an advantage advantage to both because if you get a new appliance it's more energy efficient but I guess my question is uh, Michael, are we getting rid of appliances too too soon?
1: Well, you know, it's a, it's a great question because I think you do have a uh, certain element out there who, you know, just want to get the latest and greatest fridge or the most updated or they're renovating their kitchen. And we actually encourage people, um, you know, if the fridge is, is a an energy-wise fridge, like if it's not one that's really ancient and, you know, that is really, really energy inefficient, then, you know, to try and find other avenues to get rid of it before you bring it to the the transfer station or before you drop it off at the recycling depot. We would rather that they, you know, donate it to somebody like Habitat for Humanity or donate it to a friend or someone they know. A lot of people will put them in their garage, uh, for example, as an extra fridge. Um, But, you know, there's a certain point where, you know, if the fridge is really old and inefficient, it may be good, even if it still is in working order, it's not necessarily a bad thing to replace it. But, You know, we do try to encourage people to donate it and drop it off at a charity or something first, and we want to deal with them when they're at the end of their life. So when they're not working anymore or or they're just not, uh, there's no real good use for them anymore, then we'll make sure that they get recycled and, and, you know, turn that metal into new products,
0: you know. We're talking recycling on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Alan Langdon is the CEO of Return It and Michael Zarbel, the executive director of MAR, Major Appliance Recycling Roundtable. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to find out how easy it is to recycle beverage containers. It's getting easier every day. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we're talking recycling. Do your part and recycle right. And that's why... Uh, Return it. The people who recycle all those uh, beverage containers have partnered up with an organization called MAR. It's the Major Appliance Recycling Roundtable. Michael Zarbel is the executive director of MAR. He's with us now, and also the CEO of Return It, Alan Langdon is here, and uh, everybody loves. It. In the break, we were talking about the little puppet, the little uh, the little puppet in your commercials. Uh, uh, the the I guess it's a beverage container and uh, everybody loves that that character. That must have been very very successful for you.
2: Well, there's there's actually five of the characters. Um, so one for each of our major um, product types. So uh, Walter Bottel for water bottles, Pete Bottel for the plastic bottles, Al Capitan for the aluminum cans, JJ <laughs> Carton for the cartons, and then Joyce Box for our drink boxes. Joyce Box.
0: <laughs> yeah, and El Capican. I didn't realize yeah. they had names, but uh, oh yeah, I think that. So, you, are you going to branch out and maybe do some major appliances now? <laughs> well, we'll have
2: to talk to Mike about that. I think the I think the next one in the family is Sarah Cask for our bag, bag in the box.
0: Oh, <laughs> Sarah Cask. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So I remember when I was a kid, it was a big uh, thing on Saturday. You'd collect all the pop bottles from the neighborhood, and you would uh, put them in a, a wagon, and you'd take them <laughs> to some creepy old guy who would give you, you know, a few a few dimes for the the bottles. But it's a lot easier now to recycle beverage containers. And Return It has all these things like the Return It Express and Express and Go. So Alan, uh, Alan Langdon, CEO of Return It, how important is it to make it easy for people to return a beverage container?
2: Yeah, so I think more and more convenience is really the kind of key criteria in terms of getting people to return their containers. And that's particularly relevant uh, for kind of our millennial and Gen Z customers. I think, um, you know, when we when we conduct consumer research, it's clear that for them, the idea of going to a depot, sorting their containers, waiting in line for 20 minutes is just not in line with kind of what they you know, their lifestyle or their expectations. And so we had to change and adapt. You know, so the first step was introducing Return to Express where people can set up an online account, um, come down to the depot, print off a label using their phone number, attach the label to a bag of unsorted containers, and then they just drop and go. And so they're typically in and out of the depot within less than a minute. And then what happens is those containers get counted, uh, the refund gets uploaded to their online account, and then when there's more than $10 in the account, they can just hit redeem, and we'll send them the money via email money transfer. Uh, so it's quick, it's fast, convenient, and it's exactly the type of service people are expecting. And then uh, we went a second stage and started um, implementing Express and Go stations, which are same system, but it's an unstaffed um, uh, C container uh, that we've turned into. It's a, so it's a C container. We've essentially turned into an unstaffed depot. Uh, so it has doors that have to be accessed via PIN code, but otherwise the same system. Uh, people get labels, put the labels on the bag, put them into the container, and then they wait probably a little bit longer, maybe a couple extra days to get the refund in the online account. Um, but they've been hugely popular and uh, we have a couple on the north shore one at the north shore transfer station and one at park royal both of them have been immensely popular i was just down at the park royal one the other day talking to customers and all of them were just talking about how much they loved it how much they liked the added act you know convenience and how much they like being able to drop off the containers at the same place they're going to shop uh, so it's really been a big home run and we're just looking to build out more and more of these containers in the future
0: so, so, Alan, here's a big question. What happens to uh, the typical drink box, container, or a bottle, plastic bottle, when it gets recycled? Where does it go? What happens?
2: Yeah, maybe I could talk about plastic, because I think that's the one of most concern to, yeah. to consumers. Um, and we've actually got a great um, video on our website, returnit.ca, that kind of talks about the life of a plastic bottle. Um, but essentially, you know, when we collect plastic bottles, uh, we take them back to our sorting facility. We take all the containers back to our sorting facility, sort them into different material groups. And then we work with a partner, Merlin Plastics, who's been a close partner of ours for the last 25 years. We send them the plastics and then they take the plastics, clean it, um, uh, melt them down, and then eventually turn them into little plastic pellets. And then those pellets actually go into new plastics or new plastic bottles, as well as things like um, textiles and carpet. And going forward, really focused on working with our partner to make sure that more and more of this material is showing up in new plastic bottles. And we know that a lot of our major uh, brand owners, companies like Coke and Pepsi and uh, Curd Dr Pepper, they've they've set pretty you know aggressive targets for increasing the amount of recycled content in their in their packaging over the next five years. And so we really want to make sure we're doing our best to support it. So you know our interim goal is to get to over 80 percent of the plastic in the province uh, through our program being recycled and making sure that that plastic can get back into new bottles. And so we can kind of close the loop and move that one step closer to circular economy where things, you know, once they've been used aren't waste, but actually a, a resource that can be used again um, in new packaging or other materials.
0: Right. So, Alan, do you, do you see a time when when we are at 100% of beverage containers being recycled?
2: Yeah, 100% is probably never going to happen. When you're talking about the numbers of containers that we're at, you know, a billion a year, it's going to be really hard to get to 100. Um, But, you know, our interim goal is 80, and I don't think anything will stop us from pushing up even higher. I think we're really focused on, there's been a lot of consumer interest in plastics, and as I said before, rightly so. We really want to make sure that plastics isn't entering our natural environments, especially when we all live in a beautiful place like British Columbia. Uh, So we're really focused on plastics going forward and and doing what we can to increase the recovery rate. And if we can get it to 80, that's great. And if we can push above 80, that'd
3: be wonderful.
0: That's Alan Langdon. He's the CEO of Return It. And uh, also with us this afternoon is Michael Zarbel, the executive director of MAR, the major appliance recycling roundtable. And we just heard what happens to a plastic bottle when it gets recycled. But what about a major appliance? What's the process of a major appliance when it gets recycled?
1: Yeah, so when you bring in a fridge or a stove or a major appliance to your local recycling depot or transfer station, one of the MAR drop-off sites, which you can find on uh, the returnit.ca website, you just uh, go returnit.ca, large appliances, and it'll list all the sites, like 200 sites in the province. And When you drop it off at one of those sites, typically the refrigerated appliances with the gases in them get put off to the side, uh, until a technician can remove the uh, the gases in a safe manner. And then after the, uh, you know, we remove mercury switches as well from uh, old chest freezers actually have, had mercury switches in them. So we remove all the nasty stuff out of it. And then basically the metal uh, gets, the, the appliances are like, you know, mostly made of metal and it gets shipped to a metal recycler who then processes the metal and separates, you know, the the steel from the copper and the aluminum and they can, then, uh, you know, turn those uh, metal products into new metal products, like new new material made out of copper or steel and uh, probably back into new large appliances. Like, so it's very circular in that respect where, you know, your old fridge can theoretically be turned into a new fridge one day.
0: Right. Yeah. Re- yeah. Reincarnation for your major appliances. Uh, that sounds exactly. good. We're talking about <laughs> recycling, doing your part, recycling, right? And uh, here's yeah. a here's a question for both of you. Um, what about COVID? Uh, how has COVID affected, uh, you know, the recycling process in BC? Maybe I'll start with you, Michael. Has it had a, a, a large effect on the way things are recycled?
1: You know, it's it's a, it's an interesting point because uh, initially we thought it was going to shut us down. You know, there was a week or two where uh, a lot of places were shut down because they, they, you know, we didn't know what would happen with COVID. But then, uh, recycling and garbage uh, were deemed essential services, so all of our sites were able to stay open and still collect the material. But we actually saw a huge increase in the amount of uh, material showing up at, uh, at, at the depots and recycling centers because people were home, right? They were doing cleanup jobs around the house, and so people were starting to get rid of their old appliances and drop them off. And we actually saw a spike in sales of freezers in, in, in the first uh, quarter of last year, so people were panicking because of COVID and going out and buying freezers to store, I guess, meat and <laughs> perishable goods in, and we saw a spike in freezer sales. So, um, but so there were some effects like that, and we noticed that you know sales volume year over year is up, and so we're 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 selling more. Our collection is also going up, um, but a lot of that is because we keep adding new collection sites too. So it's really hard for us to tell. Uh, what's going up because of uh, Covid and what's going up just because we've added more collection sites? But I think gallon's on to something, you know people are buying a lot more booze and drinks, and so they have, they need more fridges to store it in, right you know so maybe <laughs> maybe we'll get a fridge doll where we can store the other uh, puppets inside of you know so. Oh, oh.
0: Sounds good. So, Alan, I mean, uh, that's that's an interesting uh, thing that Michael brought up because uh, because of COVID, I, I know for a fact that uh, construct, construction is up. People are spending more times renovating their homes. And so that means more appliances and updated appliances. But beverage containers is more of a kind of a lifestyle thing. And uh, I think we all know, I think, you know, booze sales are up. Uh, and uh, I guess it's had an effect on Return It, COVID has.
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, at the height of the pandemic last year, kind of that April period, um, you know, it was having a huge impact. You know, I think there was so much concern about, um, you know, the ability to contract COVID through surfaces, and um, so a lot of our, about half our network actually shut down, about half our depots and uh, containers, most, if not all, the retailers that accepted containers stopped accepting them. So we were really concerned with um, what was going to happen. Fortunately, things picked up as the year went along. I think there was more information about, you know, how COVID was actually transmitted and less concerned about it being transmitted through surfaces. Um, But I think, um, you know, I think coming into this year, I'm really excited. I think that you know, while COVID's still with us, I think it's now something that we're, you know, we're all managing and just getting through. And certainly with the recent announcement from the BC government, it seems like there's some light at the tunnel. And so we're really hoping, and I think the early indications are that we're going to have a banner year. Um, not just that, you know, sales will probably be up for sure, but our returns are up and people are really um, focused on bringing more of these containers back. And so, you know, I think um, there's probably a lot of optimism and, uh, you know, kind of excitement about, You know, society as a whole is where we're going, uh, both from an economic perspective as well as just, you know, societal perspective and be able to get together again. And I think, you know, I'm thinking that it's going to carry over to recycling and and people are maybe more attuned to the impact that they're having on the planet and can have on the planet. And so we're really looking forward to kind of a banner year of returns uh, this year, which I think is just you know super exciting. I'm really glad to to see British Columbians doing their part and bringing back their containers.
0: Right. And uh, I guess we have just a few seconds left, but uh, I guess the Canada Plastics Pact will have something to do with this. So, Michael, really quickly, what is the can- Canadian Plastics Pact?
1: So I think that's probably a question that Alan could probably address yeah. uh, better than yeah, I, I can. Probably, I that's, yeah. 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 yeah, I can address that. So the Canada Plastics
2: Pact is a Canada-wide initiative that industry is coming together and trying to solve the issue of plastic pollution. Uh, So they set some interim targets like trying to determine if there are materials that should be, you know, eliminated from um, distribution as well as setting targets for um, making 100% of packaging recyclable, reusable, and compostable and setting targets for recycled content all by 2025. And I think it's great in that it's bringing um, partners and players from across the value chain. So brand owners, retailers, recyclers, Um, the people that make packaging, bringing us all together into one group to try and uh, find cohesive solutions uh, to address the issues of plastic pollution. Because I think everyone realizes that um, it's going to take a lot of bold action uh, to address some of these issues. And we can't do it on a regional basis. Uh, You know, in many ways, it needs to be done on an international basis. But I think it's great that we now have this, you know, kind of Canadian platform where we can start to talk about these issues and actually set tangible targets and uh, develop tangible projects to address the issues of plastic pollution and make sure that we can help, you know, kind of accelerate that transition to circular economy and see more of this material, you know, not leak out into the environment and actually be used
0: multiple times whether it's in beverage containers, packaging, or or other purposes as well. Sounds like a plan to do your part and recycle right. That is uh, Alan Langdon, the CEO of Return It, uh, along with Michael Zarbel, the Executive Director of MAR, the Major Appliance Recycling Roundtable. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, I wish you the best of luck. Uh, Thanks for talking to us. Thank you,
1: Martin.
0: Yeah, thanks so much. Okay, this is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and when we come back, we're going to ask Andrew. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up in the consumer news headlines, I've got a story about how Tourism Vancouver has launched a program for June uh, called Vancouver Love, and it's all about all the things you can do in Vancouver for your staycation. And uh, Andrew is with us now. Andrew Ferreira. He's our executive producer of Vancouver Consumer, and you're always on top of these things. All the things you can do in Vancouver, uh, considering we. We can't leave, um, but pretty soon we'll be able to. But uh, you've got a cool thing that's going on.
3: Yeah. So. And you know, you know it it was hot this week yeah i wasn't a fan of going outside earlier this week i was a fan of lying on the floor um, <laughs> in front of a box fan and praying for the sun to go away oh come on i don't do well with hot weather no i, no, I don't anything over 15 it just i'm out that's enough um but what's happening and this is starting next friday actually uh, is a canadian premiere Uh, It's not of a movie, but it is an outdoor thing that you can do, provided that it's not hot enough to cook an egg on your forehead outside. Uh, And it's going to be the Fleur de Vie Rosé, Flowers of the City, uh, pink if you don't want the French. Um, This is going to be a kind of, if you will, a trail of of flower installations uh, created and curated by Vancouver's top florists. Um, And this is in combination with the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association uh, and the Robson Street Business Association. So this is something that you can do socially distanced, you know, safe with a couple of people, um, you know, to go around and, you know, for lack of a better word, literally smell the flowers. (laughs) Um, And this is all going towards a great cause. Uh, Fleur de V. Rosé is actually, um, you know, 10 percent of all of their sponsorship fees that they've raised uh, are going directly to Breast Cancer Society of Canada and the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. Um, And you can also support local florists as well. And I feel like people really, really, really overlook florists. They're really important. And you don't don't realize that until you're in trouble. (laughs) You just when you're in trouble you go oh
0: crap i need a good florist oh crap
3: so we've got we've got plenty of them and we're lucky that we live in a in a part of the world where we have a climate that is suitable very well to growing nice wonderful beautiful flowers um so starting from june 13th uh, there'll actually be uh, pop-up flower shops along this trail that you can shop at and this is another way to support local business yeah um and you know Part of this whole thing is, and this is from uh, Kimberly Carson, who's the CEO um, of the BC Cancer uh, Society of Canada. Uh, more than 27,000 Canadians will be diagnosed with breast cancer this year. And that's not just women, right? That's men too. Men do get breast cancer. It's true. Um, and so fleur de v rosé is going to be this kind of, it's an excuse for you to go outside and look at some like gorgeous flowers. They're going to be set up Um, along kind of a route and this route will start at the Fairmont Hotel Vancouver Um, so all you have to do is you can either pick up a map or there will be a QR code at the Fairmont and you scan that with your phone and it'll show you a little map and you can follow the trail and it'll start there and it'll meander down Robson Um, and you know if you're one of those people who decides that no I really do need to put this on Instagram this will this will have your feed completely full of fodder for weeks with the amount of flowers on this thing it's pretty insane and looking at all of you know the 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 example displays from their events around the world uh it's everything from you know your generic you know here's a heart-shaped like bouquet of flowers to you know literal dresses made of flowers on mannequins right there's plenty of stuff to look at here um so again if you want more information on this uh, you can just google you know fleur de v rose vancouver you don't have to put the accent. on that's fine um <laughs> And then this starts again on June the 11th. That's next Friday. Um, And you can pick up a map or scan a QR code at the Fairmont Hotel Vancouver to start your little flower trail. Just, you know be safe about it.
0: Yeah. Sounds like it's for a good cause too. Uh, Thank you, Andrew. That's Andrew Ferreira. Ask Andrew on Vancouver Consumer. And when we continue, uh, the news is next, but we'll also tell you a little bit more about Love Vancouver. That's the uh, tourism Vancouver's big push to get people to get involved in what's going on in Vancouver uh, in the next month, the month of June. This month. Uh, that's all coming up when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKW.